A warm welcome to each and every single one of you who's tuned in to yet another episode of Disky Vibes. Today is a special feature show, and with a special feature show, I do have a special guest, our first Disky Queen, Sisle, uh, and uh, she will be my co-host. Sisle, how are you doing today? Well, thanks. How are you? All is well. But yeah, without wasting any time, let's get straight into it. This episode is based on 21 important Disky questions in 2021. And as a co-host today, I'll be asking you the questions. So, the first one is, COVID-19 has had a great impact on football this year, right? What do you make of what we're experiencing as a footballing community? Well, what we have experienced as a footballing community with regards to COVID has, yeah, it's been really bad because we've been restricted in so many ways. We can't go to the stadiums and support our favorite teams and um we've 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 struggled to thoroughly support our teams because mm. it's one thing to sit at home and um watch the guys play and it's another to actually be able to go to the stadium and be able to uh support your favorite team and another thing is that it's impacted the footballing um community in such a way that we're seeing a lot more positive COVID tests, so meaning that some of our favorite players aren't playing week in, week out. And we're also seeing a lot of matches being postponed due to um, COVID-19. And um, it's had also the biggest impact on the players themselves. Because if you were to actually look back at the years and the importance of the fans, it is quite unmatched. Uh, a lot of the teams rely on their fans to get them into games, to motivate them when they're not doing well, and to spur them on in the final minutes. So COVID-19 has impacted us in such a great way. And not just from a physical perspective, but from a financial perspective as well. Because now we're not seeing those big money, big money transfers as we usually see over the years, where teams were able to splash out um, huge amounts of money on players they thought that were going to add something to their teams. So nowadays, teams are not willing to pay that amount of money because a lot of teams have lost a lot of money because of the COVID-19. Because um, if you look at teams in Europe, these are teams who normally have fifty to 70,000 fans week in, week out in their stadiums, and that's how they generate um, their revenue. So COVID-19 has had the greatest impact on football. Yeah, it's been bad with this COVID. Uh, but with the COVID period, we've seen the VAR come to life. What's your take on VAR and how it's impacted at the game? When VAR was initially brought in, it was brought in as um, uh, a metric that would solve um problems and it would give us solutions but if anything we're seeing more problems and solutions with the VAR and i think because it has not been refined as of yet and um i personally think that it's always good when you're trying to move the game and advance it in a certain way because um as things go in life things are consistently improving, consistently developing. So the VAR, when you look at it from surface level, it, it's a good initiative to try cut out errors, to try and um, cut out certain 
um, mistakes and negative nuances of the game. However, in its implementation, it just hasn't been implemented well. Um, from the fans' point of view and players' perspective, uh, a lot more fans and players are actually angered by VAR because you can score a goal, but you still don't know if you're onside or if there was a handball leading up to that goal. So then celebrations are also delayed because you first have to wait and see what the ref decides based on the VAR. From a financial perspective and um, the perspective of club owners, I understand why they'd like to have VAR there because you don't want to be the team that gets relegated because of a bad decision that a referee has made. However, going forward, I think it's either there are certain nuances which are adjusted within the VAR system itself or they scrap it completely. Especially when it comes to the offside rule. I think when it comes to the offside rule, leniency should always be given to the attacking team. And yeah, I think it, it, it can work out if certain nuances of the VAR are adjusted. But it's been, it's been, it's, it's brought more problems than solutions thus far. Yeah, so the French league has been quite an interesting league. However, we all know PSG will probably end up winning the league. What do you make of the appointment of Poch? I was very excited when I saw Mauricio Pochettino getting appointed as the PSG coach, especially because he's one of my favorite coaches um, because of his ideology, philosophy, structure, and style of play. He's um, a very cultured coach and a coach that has um, gained a lot of experience coaching in the English Premier League. He did start with Southampton, then went on to Tottenham, and he's also developed some of uh, the best footballers within the English Premier League, um, players like Harry Kane, players like Eric Dyer, Son is one of them. Deli Ali is a player he brought from the championship and he turned him into a quality footballer. So I'm very excited with his appointment, especially when you look at that PSG squad. I think PSG over the years have always had the finan financial acumen to challenge uh, any team within Europe. However, what they've lacked was... Um, uh, a very cultured coach who would be able to instill certain tactics and a certain system that would get PSG to win uh, the UEFA Champions League. Because in their own country, they, they're very dominant. They've been winning the league for the past 10 years. So winning the league in their own, um, in their own country is not the issue. The issue is trying to win the Champions League on the biggest stage and then going on to compete in the Club World Cup. So I think this is definitely the right man for PSG. Uh, he's a disciplinarian as well. He's not afraid to make big changes and uh, leave out big names who are not performing. And he can also develop players. So I'm very excited to see what Pochettino could do. And um, this possibly could be the man who can build a very strong PSG squad that can go on to win the UEFA Champions League. Um, so speaking of the French League and PSG, what do you think about Mbappe and his future? He's won World Cup at a very young age, but do you feel he needs to take the next step in his career? He definitely has to take the next step in his career because playing in the French League, there's not much competition. And he's done so well in the French League. He's dominated. He's scored goals. Um, it's about time that he moves on. And uh, either he goes to Spanish La Liga or goes to the English Premier League, two of the best leagues in the world. And 
so that he's able to compete with the very best and so that he's also able to raise his game to another level. Because when you're playing in a league like the French League that is not competitive week in, week out, the only competition that you truly do face is in the Champions League. Whereas you want to be competing with the very best players week in, week out. And uh, you want to get to that level where you're able to be counted as the best footballer, um, not just for your country, but in the world and in the respective league that you play for. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see where he goes next. He has been linked to Liverpool and Real Madrid. However, I do think that he's going to end up at the Santiago Bernabeu and um, he will play for Los Blancos. Okay. Let's move on to the Serie A. What do you make of Juventus and the slow start to life in the league underneath Pirlo? And do you think he'll be a great coach? The biggest issue with uh, Juventus is the decision they have made to appoint Pirlo. Pirlo, in my own opinion, is not um, a man who's ready to coach such a big team. Juventus is one of the biggest teams in the world and arguably the biggest team in Italian football. And Pirlo doesn't have any coaching experience. He was set to coach the under-23s for Juventus and then a decision had been made to actually give him the first team the first team coaching seat and i don't think that he's quite ready and that being said he's still a coach who's still developing so he's still learning his trade and that's why juventus have started slowly because he's still trying to figure out what's his best team what is his best system how will, how does he like to approach games who are his best players so he's still learning and with that being said it's now affecting the collective which is juventus and um given his footballing career one would say that he would make a great coach because he was a great player however being a great player does not directly translate into being a great coach you actually have to go and um cut your teeth throughout the leagues work your way up and be able to develop a very good coaching system and a style of play and structure and philosophy and understand yourself and understand certain footballers and being a coach in modern day football isn't just about football it also impacts the psychological aspect of the game mm-hmm. so is he good psychologically can he impact players from that perspective i guess only time will tell so i can't really answer and say that he will be a great coach because in my opinion he's still developing and i think he's not ready to be coaching juventus and that's why they're struggling and they've started slow yeah one of pirlo's former teams ac milan have been great this season as they sit on top of the table do you see them winning the league i think this is the season that um ac milan could finally win the scudetto it's been a very long time since they last won um uh the scudetto and they've struggled a lot and they've gone under a massive rebuild and they're starting to build a very strong squad um that is spearheaded by uh Pioli the coach and then their leader on the field uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic who's been very instrumental to their success this season they've only lost one game and um yeah they look very strong and i definitely do think that AC Milan will take the league this season and for as long as Zlatan Ibrahimovic can stay fit because 
he is their um, talisman, he's their main man, he's the leader on the pitch and uh, he inspires those young players and I definitely do see AC Milan winning the Scudetto this season. Mm, so the German Bundesliga, right? They're a league often won by Bayern. What do you make of their coach Hansi Flick? I think Hansi Flick has done a really great job coming in because Hansi Flick has always been an assistant coach. Yeah. He's never had the opportunity to be the head coach. So he came in last season and um, he won each and every single trophy that Bayern Munich contested for. So I think he's a very good coach and he's proven himself to be very reliable, very trustworthy. And he's also a coach who was able to get the very best out of Thomas Muller and um, Manuel Neuer, two mm. German legends and veterans who everybody had written off because of um, their age and how long they've been playing. A lot of people thought that these two players are over the hill, but last season he was able to inspire them to their very best performances. Mm. And with that being said, I think he was robbed when he did not win coach of the, of, of, of the year. They gave it to Jurgen Klopp, which is a coach who only won one trophy, whereas um, Hansi Flick won four trophies. So I think he definitely should have won coach of the year. And I like the synergy that he has with these players. He's, um, his man management skills are very good, very good with the players. Um, the players love him. And uh, in the dressing room, he's also quite the personality, a lively person. So I definitely do see him building long-term success at Bayern Munich. Yeah, I agree. Hey, there was a lot of talk about Jaden Sancho over the summer transfer window. What do you think is going to happen concerning his future? With Jaden Sancho, it's a it's a very interesting situation because this is a young player who's still developing, and there's been all that media speculation over the summer transfer window, and he was linked to Manchester United for the longest time, and Manchester United were not willing to pay the asking price that Borussia Dortmund had, um, had, had, had asked for. So I think it's definitely one of the reasons why he hasn't really performed well this season and why he started slow. I think he had already set his sights on moving back to England because this is a, a, a player who was born in England. This is a player who spent a lot of time in Manchester, but playing for Manchester City's youth development. But now is um, a player who has obviously set his sights on returning to England. So I think that really affected him. And um, going forward, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. And are teams willing to pay the price? Because uh, Dortmund were asking for 120 million euros for him. And... With this COVID period that we're experiencing, I don't think a lot of teams are ready to pay that amount of money, especially for a young player who's still developing. This is not a player who's in his prime. This is a player who only has um, three professional seasons under his belt. So this isn't an established household name as of yet. He's a player who's still developing. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. However, I have seen that Manchester United are quite persistent in their pursuit for Jadon Sancho and I do think that he will end up returning to England whether it is Manchester United or Liverpool um, only time will tell but I definitely do see him returning to England in the near future mm -hmm. so the Spanish La Liga is a league 
that's been filled with a lot of speculations this season, especially because of Messi. What do you make of his situation at Barcelona? When it comes to Lionel Messi, his situation is um, it's quite the sensitive one because this is a player who grew up in Spain. He comes from Argentina. He spent all his footballing career at Barcelona and he's been their best player. He's been the best player in the world and arguably the greatest player of all time. So this is a player who only knows Barcelona. And over the, 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 the summer transfer window period, this was a player who wanted out. He didn't want to play for Barcelona anymore. And there was lots of talk and speculation concerning his release clause. There's a clause in his contract that would allow him to leave at the end of every season if he opted to. And he had been speaking to Bartomeu, who was the ex-president of Barcelona. He had notified him before the season at end, um, during the season that he did want to leave Barcelona. However, Bartomeu shelved um, Lionel Messi's um, desire to leave and COVID then happened. So a lot of things got dis- destabilized when it comes to um, world football and that affected um, Messi's contractual obligation with Barcelona because now it w- it became a very tricky situation you know um mm-hmm. at the end of the season he then decided that okay um I want to leave the season started he did not report for um preseason however as time went on he decided that he's going to stay on and not force a move because he loves Barcelona and the only way he was going to be able to leave Barcelona at the beginning of this season was if he took Barcelona to court and he was not willing to take the very same team that made him into the superstar that he is to court. So he decided that, okay, fine, I'm going to stay and I'm going to play and I'm going to finish this season off. And with that being said, Barcelona also have a lot of financial issues and um, within the next week, there is uh, an election that will take place for the new Barcelona president so depending on what happens there, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what decision does Lionel Messi make because his contract does come to an end this year in, in June. However, I do see Lionel Messi leaving Barcelona. He's been disgruntled for the past couple of seasons. And um, this is a man who's, who turns 35 this year. So I think he's got a few years left and he'd want to play in a team that will be able to compete for the UEFA Champions League. So I do see Lionel Messi leaving Barcelona, and I think he'll end up at PSG. There has been reports that he's linked to Manchester City, but I think because of the relationship that he has with Neymar and his countrymen being Pochettino, who's recently taken over, I think that just might sway him to go to PSG. And the added-on advantage is that with PSG, them playing in the French League, the league isn't as intense as the league in England. So when he plays for PSG, he might actually prolong his career. And PSG also have the financial acumen to pay him the wages that he wants. So I definitely do see Lionel Messi leaving at the end of the season. Mm, with what's going on at Barcelona, right? What does Barcelona have to do to get back to their best? Barcelona, over the years, have always had a blueprint. And that blueprint was firmly founded through La Masia. La Masia is their uh, development system. 
And that's how they were able to develop the Lionel Messi's, the Andres Iniesta's, um, the Puyol's, the Xavi's, the Busquets, all the best players that they've ever had. The players who took them to all those um, finals, whether it be in the World Cup, UEFA Champions League, whether it be Copa del Rey. These are all the players who won all those trophies for them. And all these players come from that system, which is La Masia. Barcelona have to go back to basics and go back to their philosophy and their structure of relying on their young players. And they have to get in coaches who more or less play a 4-3-3 system. This was the system that was instilled by Johan Cruyff, the Dutchman. May his soul rest in peace. So once Barcelona are able to go back to their original structure, the blueprint which was set in place in the founding years of the club, I think Barcelona will get back to their very best. And they don't have to spend as much money they've been spending in the transfer window because they've been spending ridiculous amounts of money on players who don't have the identity, who don't have the talent and um, the understanding to play for Barcelona because it's such a special and intricate system that only those who come and who have been developed by that system will thoroughly understand what it means to play for that team and having the culture as well of Barcelona. So them relying on their La Masia Youth Academy, them bringing in coaches who understand the system and them appointing uh, a president who's level-headed, a president who's not going to run the club into the ground like the previous president, Bartomeu, did. I think Barcelona can get back to their very best because they've got a young talent in Ansu Fati who comes from the youth academy and he's showing so many great signs of a player who could go on and take over from Lionel Messi. And he's been performing really well this season. It's also going to be interesting to see what happens with Ansu Fati's situation because he's also one who has a bit of a tricky contractual obligation with Barcelona. So once that's sorted out and they've elected a new president, I think we'll start to see direction concerning Barcelona. Can Atletico Madrid win the league this season? Atletico Madrid this season, this is their best season to actually win the league because they've got one defeat and they don't have... This is not a team that concedes a lot of goals. Defensively, they've been great. Offensively, they've been great. There's great balance within that Atletico Madrid side from the goalkeeper Jan Oblak, who in my opinion is currently the best goalkeeper in the world. Uh, they've got a very solid um, back four in Renan Lodi at left back. The two centre backs being um, Savage and Jimenez at right back. They've got Trippier in the midfield. They've got so many players who are so, so talented. And, um, and if you look at their offensive options, you've got Luis Suarez, you've got João Felix, you've got Carrasco. And uh, you've got Correa. These are players who are all very talented. So I definitely do see Atletico Madrid winning the league this season because they are the most balanced, they are the most consistent, and they are the most strongest team within La Liga this season. So I think Atletico Madrid will win the La Liga this season. Okay. So the English Premier League has been quite a mixed bag this season. Which players and teams have impressed you this season? So, I'll start with the players. Um, I look at a player like uh, Harry Kane. This is a player who has broken so many records this season. A player who's 27, but who's already 
broken so many records that he's already in the history books as a 27-year-old and he's still got at least um, seven to ten years to still play. And um, he's been so impressive because he's, he's always been a very good finisher, but this season he showed us a different side to his game. He's added assists to his game and he's currently got the most assists in the English Premier League and he's also competing for that golden boot. He's been... Um, very phenomenal this season. His teammate in Yunming Song has also been very, very impressive. And uh, this is a player who's already surpassed his goal tally of last season. Last season, he scored 10 Premier League goals. This season, he's already on 11 with um, 19 games still to play. So I've been really impressed with the, with the Tottenham duo. And um, moving on to a team like Liverpool. Liverpool have struggled this season because of... Um, Players like Virgil van Dijk, uh, Gomez and Matip uh, have been injured for the longest time and they've been struggling with injuries within their defence. But a player like uh, Fabinho has stepped up and he's been able to keep the clean sheets at the back and he's been able to fill in for Virgil van Dijk who is arguably the best, if not one of the best defenders within the world. So Fabinho for me has thoroughly impressed me because it's not an easy position to play and he's taken to that position like a duck to water. I've been impressed with um, with Mohamed Salah for Liverpool. Yes, currently he hasn't been scoring the goals, but he leads the Golden Boot race and he's got 13 goals. This is a man who, ever since he came back to England, he's been, he's been doing really well. And even on his off-season last season, he finished with 19 league goals. This season he's already got 13 league goals with uh, 20 games to play. So... I've been impressed with him because he's showing great signs of consistency. He's been consistent for the past three seasons in the English Premier League. So consistency for me is, is everything when it comes to football. And um, one player that I'm glad to see in the English Premier League is Thiago Alcantara. This is a player that Liverpool signed from Bundesliga, from the German, the German, the German side, which is Bayern Munich. And this is a player who... He hasn't found his best form as of yet, but he's such an exciting player to watch, you know. Even just watching 10 minutes of him play is so exciting. And how he's adapting to the Premier League and adjusting, I've, I've been really impressed by it. He seems a player that has been playing in the English Premier League for the longest time. It hasn't taken long for him to adjust to the English Premier League. I mean, within his first game, he only played 45 minutes, but he already broke a record in 45 minutes alone for the most passes in 45 minutes. And um, last but not least, Bruno Fernandes has been really impressive for me. This is a player who's been so consistent for Manchester United. This is a player who has has recorded outrageous numbers and um, he's doing really, really well. Moving on to the teams, I will mention uh, Leeds United, first of all. This is a team that has were lost in the English Premier League 16 years ago, but they've managed to return to the English Premier League and I've been thoroughly impressed with their style of play. They play really offensive football under the tutelage of Marcelo Bielsa. I really like their style of play and I really like how fluid they are. However, I would advise that Marcelo Bielsa works on the defensive side of his team because they concede as much as they score. So if they can just get the defensive side right, I think there will be a team going forward that will be a very 
interesting and a very tough team to play against within the English Premier League. I'm impressed by Leicester, who currently sit top of uh, the lock. And uh, I've really been impressed by them because this is a team that have had many injuries to their key defensive players. But players like Wesley Fofana, James Justin have stepped up and uh, they've fitted in like a glove in that Leicester City side. And uh, I like how balanced and how fluid they are and how they've been able to compete against the very best teams within the league. Um, I've been impressed by, by Manchester City, who mm. are currently regaining their form. They've kept so many clean sheets and, uh, yeah. yeah, they're doing really well. So I'm really enjoying the English Premier League this season. Yeah, but why do you think so many teams stand a chance to win this league this season? I think it's so open because of, A, um, COVID-19 has a hand to play in this. Um, so the league started later than usual. Firstly, mm-hmm. and a lot of teams didn't have much of a preseason. Yeah. So a lot of teams have struggled for consistency. And a lot of teams have also not been able to dip into the transfer window and buy some players that would be able to add on to their squad. Yeah. So a lot of teams remain unchanged. A lot of teams are the teams we saw last season. Mm. So I think a lot of coaches have actually struggled to implement um, new ideas as well because of there hasn't been much time. So a lot of teams have been inconsistent. And what I like then when there's so much inconsistency is that so many teams have a chance to actually go on and win the league, you know. And it's, it's just going to be interesting to see how this season plays out. And also, I think within the English Premier League, teams like Leicester, um, Tottenham, and uh, and Manchester United, they're starting to compete. They're starting to be able to compete now for the league title. So they're growing and they're getting much stronger. So that strengthens the league. So when you've yeah. got teams which are able to compete with um, the teams which are usually up there, which is Liverpool and Man City, mm. and you've got those three teams who are now starting to close the gap on those two teams, it makes the league very interesting. And that's why it's been so open this season. Um, players have struggled for consistency when it comes to um, fitness. A lot of key players have been injured at the wrong time. Not that there is a right time to get injured, but <laughs> you just never want your players to be injured at this time of the year. Yeah. So it's been a, a situation of um, COVID, a situation of injuries, teams not being able to strengthen in the right departments. And yeah, there's been a lot of inconsistency. However, within the next couple of weeks, I do see the league shaping up and I think we will see who will finish first and second. Yeah. So in your opinion, right, do you think Manchester United can win the league this season? If not, who will win the league and why? I don't think Manchester United can win the league. I don't think their style of play, offensively so, is sustainable. Because offensively, I'm still struggling to figure out what, what are they. You know, are they a ball possession based side? Are they counter-attacking? They're a team who play according to how the next team plays. So for me, you can't be champions if you don't control your own destiny and fate. With counter-attacks, you're relying on the mistakes of the opponents and you're waiting to pounce on um, a certain error that the next team makes, as opposed to you having the ball and being able to create clear-cut chances consistently. And 
With that being said, Manchester United rely heavily on Bruno Fernandes. They don't have any other player who, who's as consistent as he is. So I don't think it's enough for them to win the league this season. And Manchester City will win the league this season. I said this at the very beginning of the season on the podcast in one of our first episodes um, during this year. And I think Manchester City will win the league because they are well-rounded, they are balanced, and um, they're a very fluid side. And with that being said, we've also start, started to see them get uh, defensively sound. They've kept so many clean sheets. So when it comes to a team that wins the league, it's always a team that is very well-rounded, that is very balanced, that a team that can both attack and defend really well. So I think Manchester City will win the league this season. Which teams must we look out for in the UEFA Champions League this season? Who do you think will win it? I think teams to look out for in the UEFA Champions League this season. Atletico Madrid, top of my head. They're a team to look out for. Um, RB Leipzig, also another team to look out for in uh, the UEFA Champions League this season. Um, Dortmund could be a team to look out for because... When you look at uh, a player like Haaland and Jadon Sancho, once they, are, they get on form again, I think they could definitely lead um, Dortmund very far within the UEFA Champions League. You've got your favourites, which is Bayern Munich. You've got um, Real Madrid and uh, PSG, another team that we should be looking out for. And if... Uh, it's going to be interesting, you know. I It's going to be interesting. But I will give you a couple of teams who I think can win it or who I think will make it to the semi-final. So I'll give you four teams. I've got Bayern Munich. I've got mm-hmm. uh, PSG. Yeah. i got Man City. And, um, and Atletico Madrid. Those are the four teams who I think stand a very good chance of winning it. So mm-hmm. out of those four teams, I think you will have a UEFA Champions League winner this season. Okay. And which teams do you think stand a good chance at winning Euro 2020 this year? And who do you think will win it? Ooh, Euro 2020 is quite the interesting one. Um, there's so many teams and countries that have very good players, but when top of my head, I just... It's Belgium and France stand out for me when it comes to Euro 2020 because of how strong, how dynamic, and how fluid their teams are. So either France or Belgium will win it for me. Yeah, and also in your opinion, who will win AFCON this year? Oh, I can't wait until AFCON starts because, um, <laughs> yeah, I really, I really love um, watching... Uh, our African giants compete and go head-to-head. So it's always interesting. But I do think that... I do think that Algeria have a very good chance of retaining the the AFCON title. If Mm -hmm. not Algeria, then it will be Senegal. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which teams must we look out for in the CAF Champions League this season? Who do you think will win that one? So with CAF CAF Champions League, um, very exciting teams... Uh, I like Widat Casablanca. That's a team to look out for. Very strong team. Uh, I like Esperance. Um, TP Mazembe is always uh, is always a lovely team to watch. They always add excitement to the CAF Champions League. Yeah. Mamelodi Sundowns is a team to watch out for. And of course, Al-Akhli, the, um, the, the, the reigning champions of the CAF Champions League, 
who are currently being led by Pito Misimane, our very own. And I think our Ahli will retain their title. Okay. I think the DSTV Premiership is developing well. Which teams have impressed you this season and why? Uh, Swallows. Swallows have definitely impressed me because this is a team that comes from Glad Africa Championship. Mm-hmm. They come from uh, a lower division. They've now come up into the DSTV Premiership, yet they sit second on the log with um, with a game in hand. If they do win their game, they will leapfrog Mamelodi Sundowns and go first after 11 games played. So they've really impressed me because, um, A, their style of play. They have not come into the league and had an inferior complex and said, you know, we're playing against uh, stronger teams and bigger teams, so we're going to change the way we play. We're going to be a lot more defensive. No, they've stuck to their offensive um, passing brand of football, and I really like how they play. So they've definitely impressed me this season. Okay, yeah. So what do you make of the Golden Boot race this season? And why do you think we're seeing more goals in the league? It's been an interesting one. And um, so much so that uh, I take my hat off to a player like Bradley Krobler, who in this Golden Boot race, he currently sits top of the standings and he's become Supersport United's all-time leading goal scorer. Mm. We're seeing a lot more goals because... I definitely do think that our players are, are starting to improve on their finishing. Yeah. Because even last season, the Golden Boot uh, race was, 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 was uh, very hot. And we ended with two guys, Peter Shalila and Gabudini Mahango. They shared the Golden Boot on 16 goals mm-hmm. apiece. So I definitely do think that the guys are improving in front of goal. And another added advantage is that because there are no fans in the stadiums, there's less pressure. So it feels like you're just at a training session yeah. and you have that one or two seconds to take your time before you finish and you don't have that added on pressure of fans because as much as fans can be great for you, but they could also be bad for you in a sense that they could put pressure on you and they can make you, um, they can rush you into your decision making because of how much they want you to do well as fans, you know. So... I think I think I think South African um, um, offensive players, strikers, and attacking midfielders are definitely improving in that department. And yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. So interesting that I can't even pinpoint who will win it this season because each and every single game, the players are very consistent and they're scoring a lot of goals. And um, it's only good for the development of South African football and the DSTV Premiership. Yeah, I'm so. Last but not least, can Mamelodi Sundowns make history by winning their fourth league title in a row? I think Mamelodi Sundowns have a really strong squad and they can. However, with the way that they're going about things, I don't think they'll be able to retain their league title. Um, Yes, they do sit top of the log. However, as of late, we're starting to see a lot of inconsistency when it comes to their starting lineup. And we're starting to see inconsistency in their results. They're starting to drop a lot of points and they've drawn the past couple of games. And it's been unnecessary draws for a team like Mamelodi Sundowns. With that squad, they should more or less be winning most of their games. And if they do draw, they should be drawing against um, maybe teams like uh, Orlando Pirates, teams like Swallows, teams like Cape Towns, teams who are really, really strong. But yet you see them drawing... um, to Bloemfontein Celtic, you see them drawing to um, uh, TTM as well, and they're dropping 
and and to Golden Arrows. They drew against Golden Arrows as well. So you see them dropping points against opposition, which is not even as strong as they are. Mm. And I think that is that boils down to the decisions which are being made by the technical team. Pito Musumane has vacated that 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 um, that head coaching role at Mamelodi mm. Sundowns, and now they have three head coaches. I mm. think that's also a bit of a confusion because. I, in my opinion, you just can't have three men um, spearheading a team. You can't mm. have three head coaches. In my opinion, you have, you're supposed to have one head coach, one assistant, or two assistant coaches. Mm. So there's these three men who all have their own ideas and philosophies, and they're all now trying to come together for the good of Mamelodi Sundown to try and balance their own, to try and balance and create one philosophy, which I think at times it's it's becoming a struggle because... They could be split opinions on certain players. And um, another reason why I don't think if they carry on in this vein, why I don't think that they will be able to win the league title is because um, a player like Shompo Kekana comes to mind. This is arguably uh, their best, if not one of the best captains they've had in the history of Mamelodi Sundowns, who's contributed greatly to the club, who's done so well for Mamelodi Sundowns. This is a player who's now been sidelined. He's been arguably one of the most important players. He's been the pillar of Mamelodi Sundowns over mm. the past eight years. But this is now a player who's being sidelined. And when you take out the, um, the, the cornerstone of the team and the leader of the team and you put him on the bench, I don't always think that is a, is a, great, is a great decision. Yeah, you know? I so I, 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 from that perspective, I, I, I see them struggling. Also because they don't have a consistent lineup. They chop and change and they, like I said earlier on, mm-hmm. in football, consistency is key. So mm-hmm. if you're going to change the team, you're going to put in different players, then they, the team cannot find balance and rhythm. And football is all about partnerships. The more you play with certain players, uh, the better you guys get. And also because too many new players have been brought in too early. Mm-hmm. With a team as big as Mamelodi Sundowns, the culture has always been over the years that they'll sign a player and the player would usually have to uh, observe, understand and learn the system mm-hmm. before they are thrown into the deep end. But now we see players like Tobin Vala, Aubrey Mutiba, um, uh, Brian Onyango. These are players who just recently arrived at Mamelodi Sundowns and all of a sudden they're in the lineup. And they are now in the lineup over experienced players who have won Mamelodi Sundowns all those trophies. Mm. And Pito Musimane built a great blueprint and a great structure and institution in Mamelodi Sundowns on how to win trophies while successfully developing players and playing a great brand of football. And I feel like what these coaches are doing, they're starting to tear up that blueprint Yes, as a new coach, I understand that you want to come in and impose your own style and your own system. However, if it's not broken, why fix it? And Mm. with a great foundation that has been laid, why undo certain nuances of a great foundation that has been laid? If anything, build upon it. Yeah. So Bafana Bafana have struggled over the years to find any form of success, right? Given the opportunity to make decisions what would you do to improve our national team? Oh, this is, um, yeah, this is one that makes, it gets everybody sensitive in true, the country because 
we all expect and we all want our national team to find success and to do well and to compete with the very best teams yeah. to qualify for world cups but it's just not happening mm. and i think we have to go back and when i say go back i mean go back to grassroots level go back to development and developing players and given the opportunity i would appoint pito misimane again as a vafana vafana national team coach because pito misimane has proved over the years that he is the king of south african football and he is a man who can play great football mm. win trophies and develop players as well yeah. i'd put him at the helm of uh, bafana bafana and i'd give him time and with that being said i'd allow him to be able to have more freedom and more decision making when it comes to bafana bafana and how things are done at safa mm. and with that being said i would build development structures all over the country i'd build um uh five side football courts all over the country as well mm. and i would build um academies and have academies all over the country and it would be mandatory that any team that is professional or plays in the lower leagues has to have a development structure and then with that being said you get coaches who more or less have the same philosophy so that there's a conveyor belt So when the players start from a young age of about 7 yes I'd start I'd start a uh, serious development structures from the age of 7 as young as 7 because there's a 10,000 hour rule which you can equate to 7 to 10 years so by the time these players are, are 17 to 20 years old they are ready to compete at the highest level mm. hence why the Europeans and the South Americans are able to consistently do well so I would build in these structures and get in coaches and we would then um uh imprint uh, a south african philosophy and a south african style of play and a brand which um advocates and uh, predicates for the success of south african footballers because we're not physical players we're not tall players we're short in stature we're very fast and we're very good at passing we got great technique great vision so those are the foundations on which i would build this system on and out have all teams playing a very similar system from development so that by the time they get to the national team it's uh it's just it's just um a seamless transition so that they understand because a lot of players who play for Bafana Bafana now have not had thorough development these are players who broke uh into the professional ranks very late in their careers so when it comes to certain ways of understanding the game they lack in that regard when it comes to their technique they lack in that regard and on a grassroots level i would also implement football on a theoretical perspective yes there's the practical where you take the players to training however on a theoretical perspective before the training sessions i would ensure that they they get into a classroom for 30 to 45 minutes and the coach explains on a board as to the next session that we're going to do This is what's happening. This is what I expect of you guys. This is how I want you to move. So players in the country are also teach them football. Mm. Not just on the field, but in the classroom that have homework, that have assignments to do. And that way you'll be able to theoretically understand the game of football. So by the time you go onto the field, when it's time for you to implement, it's so much easier. So I'd implement the theoretical and the practical. And that's why you see players in Europe 
who don't have as much talent as we do, but will be a lot more successful than us, is because the game, the understanding and the knowledge of football they have is on a higher playing field. And that is because they've been taught the game of football, not just on the field, but in the classroom. They've come to understand certain systems. They've come to understand how is it that you can achieve certain success and how is it that you can do certain things on a footballing field. And as it's always been said, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. So the earlier we get these young boys, the better. And mm. that's what I would do if I had the onus of um, ensuring that Bafana Bafana would get to a point of being able to garner results and success. Wow, what a way to see it. So yeah, that was 21 questions. We have come to an end of a special feature episode and I hope you've enjoyed 21 Disky Questions in 2021. I was your co-host. They call me the special guest. They call me the Disky Queen. I mean, that was nice. Thank you. And today, I've enjoyed my time on Disky Vibes. Thank you very much, Cicely, for joining me on um, a special feature episode. I definitely do like doing special feature episodes because we move away from the norm and um, we have a look at uh, the footballing world from a different perspective. Yeah. And it's always interesting. So um, I do hope that you will be joining me on many other episodes going forward. Um, this was yet another episode of Disky Vibes. Do stay tuned and um, who knows, maybe you who's listening could be the next special guest on our next episode as uh, Chava is still currently um, going through personal um, issues and um, once he's overcome those personal issues, he will join us. Um, I've not fired him or anything like that. <laughs> He's still very much part and parcel of um, Disky Vibes. So thank you for tuning in. Um, this was a lovely episode. I'm Liolo signing out. <laughs>